Hello and welcome to That Film Stew. I'm Luke. And I'm Jason. This is our movie show where we bring you the latest movie and TV news. The sequel to that awful yet successful Venom movie has a director. Disney has plans uh, to make the most of their newly acquired Fox properties. And James Earl Jones continues to reprise his classic roles. Simba. Not that. Different one? Different one. (laughs) On top of that, the upcoming Arrowverse crossover has some huge news. But before we get to those stories, we'll start with trailer talk. I'm going to tell you, I didn't watch one of these. Ah, oh, you Oh, well, I can't, and I'll explain why when we get to it. First up, we have Wonder Woman Bloodlines. In the trailer, it's lining up Diana's greatest foes. So you get Giganta, Cheetah, all the Wonder Woman villains that we get in the comics, but not always on screen. And so this is, best of, yeah. Yeah, but this is the first standalone animated Wonder Woman movie since the Kerry Russell one which is a fantastic movie, but unfortunately, sales of the video, DVD, weren't there. And that was a standalone story, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Whereas this one is set within the continuity of... So this is a follow-on from Batman Hush, which means we get the god-awful New 52 costume. Maybe they'll fix it. (laughs) They found a way to fix Superman in Reign of the Supermen, and they found a way to fix Batman in Hush. So there is hope. What is your reason for not watching this trailer? Oh, no, I did watch this one. This is the next one. Oh, right. Yes. How so I did watch this one. Sorry. How misleading. Sorry, so, okay. I did watch this one. So I'm over explaining them. What did you think of the trailer? Um, first of all, I was just like, what, like, I was thinking this was like an origin sort of movie for it, which didn't really make sense because it was, you know, taking place in the continuity. And I was like, oh, maybe it can be a prequel within the continuity. But I guess flashbacks, is that what we're getting? We're getting uh, Steve Trevor, all that kind of stuff. It's as if they think, to tell a Wonder Woman story, they need need to to tell the origin. So I think we're going to get both. We'll get the origin, and then we'll get the present day that will no doubt have a link. Yeah. But hey, I'm excited for another standalone Wonder Woman movie. She's a great character. Obviously, live action, we've got Gal Gadot. And now we're getting a continuation with, I think it's Rosario Dawson playing Wonder Woman. I think so, yeah. But I think what's good is that like, to actually get a, a Wonder Woman-focused movie, you know, like, much like with Batman Hush that we just did a review for, and there's a plug, you know, it, it was... He's always been sort of a part of an ensemble, whether it be a Justice League-type movie or, you know, Bat Family or just Suicide or something. One Woman's been the same. She's just been there with the team, and just a movie focused on it would be good. So I think we might get something good out of it. And, okay, so onto the trailer you haven't watched... Yeah. Titans season two. I'm very close to the end of season, finishing season one. I know I'm taking my time. It is a good show, right? So I'm not, okay. It's not a, it's not a commentary on the quality of the show. I'm just watching it with the wife, and it, that slows me down. And I apologise. <laughs> I thought you were just being unprofessional. No, <laughs> and not no. watching something I that was on the agenda. I'm not going to watch the trailer for the next season when I haven't wrapped the first. So. Okay, it really is a teaser. I think Max, we're looking at a minute. It's very brief. What we do get from the teaser, it gives us our first look at Game of Thrones star Ian Glenn as Bruce Wayne. We get brief glimpses of Superboy, Crypto, Wonder Girl in costume, using her powers. Holy shit. (laughs) The uh, Hawk and Dove, the trailer, although a minute, it looks absolutely fantastic. So basically just highlights some of the new characters... Costumes exactly, and like, stuff like that, yeah. It's essentially showing us Titans 2.0. We've had that first season. They're adding to the ranks. Yeah. 
just like pump it with some. I really fun don't shit. know about Ian Glenn though. Like listeners, you would know. I don't watch Game of Thrones. I'm the same. And that's yeah. primarily what he's from. He popped up in the Bad Education movie. I'm a fan of Jack Whitehall, and he was like the bad guy in that. But outside of that role, and what I know of him from Game of Thrones, I don't know too much. But hearing him speak in this trailer, he does not sound American. I know he isn't American in real life, the actor, <laughs> but he's How playing a part. He almost sounds, I'm not sure if he's Irish, but there's something going on. Whereas Bruce Wayne, although I can go with the appearance, he doesn't quite sound like Bruce Wayne. You know, maybe it would make sense that he has a bit of a, an accent, you know, being raised by Alfred, pretty much. Let's think about this. Okay, yeah, so you think that's you know, what he could No, make? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I'm sure he'll do a good job, and I'm hoping we actually get to see him suit up as Batman, but at this point, he's only confirmed as playing Bruce Wayne. But who knows? I think that's... I think we get, we have enough... Costumed heroes in this. In that this is show, a so. good point. And we did get that awesome bit that I will not talk about. Oh, thank you. The end of <laughs> Titans, because you seem to be one of the only people on the planet not to have watched it. But I'm getting there. Quite if you've not seen it, <laughs> it is still available on Netflix and DC Universe in the US. Okay, movie news. All right, so we'll start off with Venom 2. We all loved that first movie, at least enough of us did. By we, you mean not us. <laughs> not <laughs> us, but the world. Oh, too much money. Um, but we have a director confirmed for Venom 2, Andy Serkis. You know, uh, Gollum, the, the mocap guy. The director of Mowgli. Claw. Yeah. Captain America. <laughs> I was thinking of the Jungle Book when you said that, and I was like, that was John Favreau, but yes. Yeah, that guy. Um, so that's exciting. And you know what? It... It actually, I do find that exciting. Like, you know, he's, he's a bit of a creative and hopefully it can just bring something more. Because I think that first movie, it had enough for a broad audience and it did make all the money, as you say, but it needs to have something extra. I think they need to be doing something creative with... The Venom character, the look and, you know, what he's actually doing on screen. So maybe this is the avenue that they can take and they can get there. You know, one of the best bits of that first Venom movie was Venom running up buildings and jumping off stuff. You know, doing the Spider-Man type Venom stuff. And Circus, he knows his stuff and he's what I'd refer to as an actor's director. So hopefully he's going to be lifting everyone's game. Don't get me wrong, Tom Hardy was really good as Eddie Brock. And for me, my my disconnect with that movie was when we got Venom. I was really <laughs> enjoying Hardy in that role. I thought he was really good. And then when you've not got Tom Hardy anymore, that's where the movie lost me a little bit. But it did have some exciting visuals. I just say, climbing the buildings, we got She-Venom, which was interesting. Yeah, well, she'll actually be back. Michelle Williams confirmed also to be coming back. Um, and she's hopeful that she will get to put the symbiote back on again. Is that how you say that sentence? Is that? I mean, it sounds right. If I was her, I'd be hoping for that as well. Yeah. Like, can I also do some stuff? Maybe they can do like an Ant-Man and the Wasp type thing with Venom and She-Venom. You know, obviously not at the same time. Although, isn't there like 20 symbiotes like floating around? That was the thing in the movie. Like, yeah. There were other symbiotes. So maybe she could just have her own. Yeah, it's not as exciting and have to take it in turns it worked for that first movie <laughs> yeah. because she was doing what? that in an attempt to save uh, him did it work 
I remember feeling just really uncomfortable when she was... Oh, it was weird when they kissed. That happened. <laughs> when she's like in the full costume. And that's how she yeah. passed the venom over back onto Brock. But again, like this movie made so much money at the box office. And I still don't I know why. <laughs> even the people responsible for the movie were surprised at how much money it made. But we're getting more. I mean, it was inevitable, but we've got a talented actor, director in Andy Serkis, and the main players are back. Tom Hardy, Michelle Williams. Yeah, we don't know anything about the story or anything yet, but uh, Serkis is saying that Hardy's, of course, involved, um, but also involved in writing the script as well. So I do, I do like that. That is not just treating this as a quick cash cow. That is actually is invested in it. We know, yeah, what kind of story of the character, and he's not just going to turn up, stand on his mark, say his lines. He's actually going to be putting extra effort into this. Do I watch this movie? I guess so. Ah, oh. we have to. <laughs> we have to. <laughs> A little bit of news on Marvel's Eternals. Gemma Chan, who played Minerva in Captain Marvel, is reportedly in talks for the movie. Although it may be a completely different role. And I think her under the face paint, the prosthetics, you could have her double up as a different character. Yeah, without without us nerds like being, what's going on? But if she is going to come back, because that character plays a much bigger part in the... In the comics, like she's a big rival for Captain Marvel, so maybe if she is playing that same part, and then he adds something extra, something familiar to mm. the Eternals. Oh, this this is connected to the other Marvel movie I like. Yeah, just have like a small character, and then someone's like, oh, a bigger role for that small minor character that was in there in the background almost. Because they've had characters double up before, but it's usually a much smaller part. Whereas this character, she had her own poster. She had a poster, yeah. So if you've got a poster, that's your character. Don't be greedy. <laughs> Just wait and see. Um, New Gods. Ava DuVernay confirms Darkseid in, in New Gods. Uh, with DC Comics reference, Darkseid is. Love it. Now this movie she is co-writing with uh, DC Comics writer Tom King. He did a Mr. Miracle... 12-issue maxi-series, absolutely fantastic. And a running line throughout that comic was Darkseid is. So even just knowing that those two are working on this together, but just hearing that connection to the comic that I really enjoyed has me excited. And this is confirming, yeah, Darkseid is going to be in the movie. Originally, he was the big bad for Zack Snyder's Justice League, but instead we got Steppenwolf. He's lucky. <laughs> Very <laughs> underwhelming. Every time I hear Steppenwolf. <laughs> you know, old Steppenwolf. So it's taken a couple of years, but sounds like we're going to be getting Darkseid on the big screen. G.I. Joe. Gee. They're doing more. <laughs> uh, Hasbro is developing another G.I. Joe movie that will feature undercover specialist Chuckles. It's unclear whether it's a new entry in the team movies or a spin-off. Oh, okay, you can't even take the story. That's seriously. his name. Do Chuckles. You, do you know? No idea. Chuckles? No idea. Yeah. I mean, I'd be able to take Chuckles more serious if he just went by, I don't know, Chuck, Charles. But nope. Chuckles. I hope he's a clown. I mean, <laughs> I went I did no effort into looking him up. I, hope I didn't want to. I wanted that to be it. I wanted us to Let's base our opinion on this project. On that alone. Fair enough. Chuckles the Joe. Yep. 
or Chuckles the G.I. Joe. G.I. Hey, Joe Chuckles. Hasbro, just call that. Hasbro definitely just want, besides Transformers, they want a franchise, don't they? They want something. Desperately. Desperately. This could be it. Oh, I mean, God. <laughs> they've made two Joe movies so far. Yeah. Who knows? But <laughs> this, this could just be a reboot. It could be like its I'm, own thing. I'm still waiting for the Hungry Hungry Hippos. They'll get to it. And the Battleship crossover. Come on. I've watched that movie. That was terrible. Next story. <laughs> <laughs> Mad Max. Um, yeah, two Mad Max films and a Furiosa spin-off are in the works, apparently. How concrete is this, though? Hey, don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> you need to ask George Miller. I well, he's the, one, he's the one saying. Yeah, and, and he's done all the Mad Max movies. He's been there since the very beginning. Yeah. It's his franchise. I've heard there was some, like, sort of lawsuit issue sort of going around at the moment. I don't know what that's all about. Try not to get into the goss. But would that be delaying things? Holding? Could that change the directory of the franchise or the future of Mad Max? Almost everybody loved Fury Road. And I watched it as a movie and thought it was fine, but I didn't love it like everybody else did. So the idea of more Mad Max, I'm not fussy the way, to be honest. <laughs> not I mean, how about you? Like, does it mean anything to you? I like, yeah, no, really enjoyed that movie. Well, it was like a ride from start to finish. I'd be happy to pay to go on a new ride of similar sorts. But yeah, the franchise as a whole, I'm not overly protective of in any way okay Just so like if it happens, happens if it happens right, I'll if go not. if not I'm fine there you go <laughs> there you go enthusiasm we've got some Disney Plus news here we go Disney CEO Bob Iger has announced reboots reimaginings for Disney Plus so this is the streaming service wow here we go we're getting Home Alone Night at the Museum Diary of a Wimpy Kid and Cheaper by the Dozen Right. So, of course, Disney have acquired uh, onslaught of new properties and IPs that they can now make films of or do whatever they want with. Of course, they're going to go to some of the successful popular ones and do it. But they're putting them on TV, though. That's the part that sticks out yeah. to me. It's like saying, OK, so these are the Fox properties that we will cherry pick, not theatrical, but to put them on the small screen. It, it is concerned, but I mean, you know, like, you get Netflix, and Netflix have produced, you know, like, films for their service, and some of them have been okay. But these are all recognisable IPs, and granted, like, they are skewing younger with the audience, mm. so maybe that's where they think that, you know, teen and under are consuming their media, so I think we're going to have more luck putting it there. My concerns with some of these titles, like, you, you get, like, None at the Museum... Uh, an effects-heavy sort of movie or, Expensive. or series of films. Yeah, to put it on a streaming service, essentially TV, yeah, would they have a lower budget and therefore would the quality drop? Will it look like, you know, an afternoon cartoon for uh, after-school kids? But not just the quality of the special effects. Like, if we're not... If we're looking at Ben Stiller being the theatrical lead, who are we getting on TV? Budget Ben Stiller. Kevin James? <laughs> is that fair to say? What I feel like he was in a museum movie once. He did um, Zookeeper, where the animals <laughs> okay, talk yeah. to him. That's got to be it. I'm pretty sure the poster was like the same colour scheme. Oh, okay. Take Home Alone, you know, beloved movie of mine. But that's some... You know, I love the first one, really. Yeah. enjoyed the second one. But then they've made they three, have been... four, five director home videos. So even Fox have done it themselves. Exactly. And it's like, they are garbage. They are hot 
piles of garbage. But how many episodes are we talking? We're not. Not TV, it's a film. It is a film. Carry on. <laughs> By mistake. But I mean, if they so if they do this, the quality is either going to be the same as those director home release movies or better, right? This is somewhat. But either way, with all this... If, it, if these movies are made, they come out and they're crap, it's fine. We still have the original movies that we can love and cherish. They don't go away, so there's no harm. Or they could be really fun. I'm not hopeful with the Home Alone one, but, you know. I think it's it's going to come down to the casting for me. Because outside of Night at the Museum, we're not looking at, like, a heavy, mm. like, a big special effects budget. They're just straight, like... Comedies with people. <laughs> well, yeah, that's it. But it's cheap about the dozen. It's, you know, it's... They can do that on the They get easy, yeah. Like, again, not pressures over it and easy done. And Diary of a Wimpy Kid, yeah, why not? Well, they keep churning <laughs> their moves out. They yeah. seem to be successful. I think... You know what? Maybe they know what they're doing. Maybe they do. <laughs> it's to just, be fair, I'd rather Home Alone not be on this list. Let's. I think that's what's throwing us off. It's like we're just... We're too protective of it. But let's spin this and say, what if... What if they had Jumanji, right? And this is before The Rock and all that, you know, had Welcome to the Jungle. What if they were like, we're doing a Jumanji movie or sequel, or whatever, we're putting it on Disney+. Plus. We would have, we would be in the same boat and say, oh, no, don't touch it. But then what if they put out something like what we got with Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle? We would be like, wow, pleasantly surprised. You know it what? could it's, happen. It's still Disney, isn't it? And they've got very deep pockets. Yeah. And they're also hit and miss sometimes, but who knows? It's in the media a lot around how Disney are still at a loss due to the Fox buyout because the movies have been underperforming. I think the easy target is Dark Phoenix. But what people need to realise, Disney are going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> they knew or had a very good idea what they were in for. We're halfway through the or just over and they've already made like $6 billion at the box office on just like five movies or something, six or something. They're doing okay, people. They're doing fine. <laughs> Coming to America. Again, did you purposely write coming to America? Last time two? was an accident. It's, <laughs> now you've it's, it's it. official. Is it official? It is official. What? Yeah. They heard us. <laughs> they heard you. They saw your notes. I think it was in my subconscious somewhere. Like, I don't know, but it is it is official. Like, Why wouldn't they? I've looked into it and it's it's at least... It's how news outlets are spelling it. Coming, and why would they if it wasn't the one? <laughs> coming number two, America. Um, the news is Wesley Snipes is joining Eddie Murphy in the in the sequel, playing General Easy, I think, or Izzy, um, the is. ruler. <laughs> is <laughs> uh, the ruler of a neighbouring nation of Zamanda. So a bit of royal rivalry, maybe. Um, and also James L. Jones is reprising his role as. King Jaffe? Jaffe? That sounds good. It's been a while. It's been a while. Um, and he's also going to be joined by SNL's Leslie Jones. I've not seen her since Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. Where's she been? She SNL. Been? <laughs> she's been putting in long so hours. she's still doing SNL. that. So that's cool. There's other people coming back as well. Like I'm blanking on the actor's name, but the guy that ran the workplace where... The McDougal's? The McDougal, yeah. The <laughs> McDougal guy. So he's back. He, he just seems like... Everybody's back. Like they've they've gone deep in the casting, and anybody of yeah. note that was attached to that first movie, they're bringing back. Um, I'm uh, skipping on the name of the actress who played the mother. She also played 
Simba's mother in The Lion King. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah, listen to her. You listen to the podcast again. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, she unfortunately passed away you know, a few decades ago, like after these movies. So I imagine they probably won't recast her. They'll probably just write her out. So everybody living, they are bringing back. And that's it for movie news. Straight on to TV news. It's a big one, and uh, can I just handball it to you, if you would? <laughs> okay, we've got some news regarding Crisis on Infinite Earths. Black Lightning star Cress Williams has confirmed he'll appear in the Arrowverse crossover, which is slated to start airing later this year. Black Lightning won't play a pivotal role, but will be used in a capacity similar to how Batwoman was during 2018's Elseworlds. So cameo, a little bit bigger Big, than a cameo? Bigger than a cameo. Smaller. She kind of... In the middle section, she came in and out, whereas they laid enough groundwork with her character to, I guess, spin her off in her own show, but she wasn't, like, one of the main characters. I'm just surprised that Black Lightning is going to appear at all. Like, what they're doing in the Black Lightning TV show is a lot more grounded to the compared to the other Arrowverse shows, but he's officially going to be joining them and fighting side by side. Well, I've got to ask this question because I don't know my Arrowverse stuff. Is Black Lightning in the same universe as some of the characters, or is no, he he's like, not. He's okay. on a different Earth. So the whole thing was so Christ on the on Black Lightning Earth. show. Like when he's hanging around, like he doesn't know. Oh yeah, there's an Arrow guy over there. No, and, uh, nothing. Flash and all that. Nothing like no, that. Nothing. Like you've even had characters pick up a DC character, and there's mention of Supergirl as a comic book character. So they're trying to paint Black Lightning as the real world. You just happen to have meta-humans in it that have a similar point of origin but the powers manifest in different ways but within this crossover you're going to have the main characters going to multiple earths or infinite earths if you will i do like my parallel earths but the biggest news to come out of this tv event kevin conroy batman from the animated series will for the first time be playing bruce wayne live action that is insane. <laughs> it is amazing. I think just last episode we were talking about how they've cast Burt Ward in an unspecified... No one gives a shit anymore. ...unspecified <laughs> role. We don't know if he's coming back as Dick Grayson from Batman 66 or he's playing a different part. But this news just absolutely blew my mind. We could be getting Batman Beyond. Or it could just be he's in one of these infinite Earths where Batman's just retired. And again, I ask the question, so he's not the Batman of, you know, the Batwoman's universe or whatever? I don't think that's what they're going to do Because he now. would be too old. Yeah, the age right. gap wouldn't be that wide between Batwoman and Batman. He's not been gone that long. So I think they're just going to jump to an Earth. I don't know how much screen time Conroy will have, but I absolutely love the fact that they've cast him. And he will be in a Batcow. I hope so. <laughs> At the very least, he will sound like Bruce Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> he puts on a voice. <laughs> I mean, it's great. It's like when you... But even now, when I read Batman comics, Conroy... Is that the one you hear? Is who you hear, oh. yes. So just having him... And like, this has got to be like him living out a fantasy as well. Like Of the many years, decades, he has voiced Bruce Wayne, whether it's in animated TV shows, movies, video games. He's finally got the call. He's picked up the bat phone and he's going to play a live action Bruce It's Wayne. actually really surprising that this hasn't happened before. But this TV event 
is this is the place if it's going to happen anywhere it's going to happen here because they can just whatever they can just do whatever they want it's almost daily I'm checking the internet for any casting news for Dean Kane and Terry Hatcher (laughs) it's not happened yet well come on guys if you're listening Please. Oh, my God. <laughs> my head will explode. I feel like you wouldn't want that to be announced and then you just want it to happen in Oh, the imagine. Show. You're just watching. The, they wouldn't be able to keep something like that quiet. That'd, it'd be like, you know, people like cheer at like the end of a sports game when someone wins, but we have no interest in that. That would be your moment. It would be. There'd be popcorn and yeah. drinks in the, on the phone. Goal! DK! Yeah, it was so exciting. The last time I felt that level of excitement, it was the season finale of Star Trek Discovery. When you see the Enterprise, oh, I was wow. on my feet, <laughs> cheering at the TV. Wow, nerdy. Um, Supergirl is rumoured to appear in an episode of Batwoman, at least in season one somewhere. It makes sense. Like They had quite a bit of interaction in that TV event. Are they in the same universe? I'm sorry I keep asking this question. Yeah, that's okay. No, they're not. They're not. They're not. So they're separated as well. I believe so. Yes, is she? They is, are, is that's a good question. Batwoman actually. in the Arrow universe. Batwoman is separate. Oh my! Oh, actually, God. no. It is confusing, and I've seen all the Arrowverse shows. We need oh, a string. Board. Actually, we need a string. Board. I or think, at least a table. I we'll think. A graph, a no. Batwoman is set in the Arrowverse. Yes, she is. Yeah. Because they made reference during Elseworlds. Like all the Queen can drive to Gotham and say, hey. Yes. And they. Batwoman. And both Green Arrow and The Flash did not believe Batman to be real, that he was an urban legend. And they go to Gotham. And Supergirl had joined them from her Earth. Yeah, okay. So for them to have a crossover, and Supergirl's done this many times, she can just jump Earths. She's got the technology. She knows how. <laughs> she can just jump from world what? to world. <laughs> Does it with ease. I think Cisco Ramon vibe. I think he had it. Yeah, well, I feel like they really should have just incorporated Supergirl into it. They it should have, easier. but they the ship sailed a long time ago. Yeah. It's, it's the fact that this like Supergirl did not start as a CBS because it was show. CBS. It was CBS. Yeah. But if it would have started as CW, then maybe they wouldn't have had all this mess. <laughs> and I'm sure once. CW picked it up for a second season. They could have just rectified it. They chose not to. So now she has the ability <laughs> and the know-how to jump Earths independently. But yeah, to answer your question, I'm pretty confident that Batwoman is in the Arrowverse proper. And she's not having to jump to any different any different reality. Good, good for her. <laughs> so Supergirl will at least, or she's rumoured to share an episode with Batwoman. So Supergirl will jump. Yes, but it makes sense, though, like when launching a new character, like use an established character to help propel them. <laughs> Agents of Shield. You know, I recently finished. Uh, is it season six? Okay, I thought you were going to talk about Agents. Really, <laughs> oh, no, yeah. really yeah. enjoyed it. Like, really enjoyed. It. I am up to date with Agents of Shield. They're coming back, I believe, with thirteen episodes for sure. their final season. And the the makers of the show have compared. The final season to DC's Legends of Tomorrow. That's the kind of show oh. they're going for. Because aren't they, aren't they like time traveling and doing all weird stuff? In the latest season, they weren't time traveling. They were in the present day, but there was something going on. There's always something yeah. big that they need no, to I deal just, with. I checked out after the start of season six. I was just like, I just it can't gets better. do this show. It gets anymore. better. Oh, I'm and when, come back it's only 13 episodes. That's true. The well, f- 26 if I include... Yeah, but that's two separate seasons. When you get to the the season six finale and you see what they're doing and setting up in seven, 
I'm completely on board. I feel like not just as a long-term viewer of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but as a long-term fan of the MCU, rewarded in the final moments of season six. Hang on a and second. I am M- ready. MCU rewarding? Yes. Yeah. I am ready for season seven. Oh. I'm, I don't want to spoil it. one of my it. gripes was, I was like, yeah, they've pretty much abandoned the fact nope. that they're in MCU. I'm not saying that there was time travel not, and like no one's walking ones. around mentioning Thanos and oh, you know, they did at the end of season five and then okay. nothing happened. But I just mean like <laughs> skip forward a year and it's like nothing happened. There's no like sleight of hand. They're not like alluding to something that never happens. With the example you're using, okay, there. yeah, it is regarding the established characters of Agents of Shield and something happens and I 100% endorse what they're doing with a particular character, and it has me excited for that seventh and final season. Damn it, I'm going to have to watch Agents of Freaking Shield. But you've started already. That's true. Oh, you know what? That's not even the news. <laughs> That's not the news. <laughs> <laughs> I've completely forgot to do the news. Uh, I Hayley, didn't name drop her. I didn't name drop her. Hayley Atwell is rumoured to reprise her role. So after all that, the news story <laughs> is a rumour. But we could be seeing Agent Carter in season seven of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which would be perfection. I really enjoyed her two seasons, and getting to see her again has me excited. I don't care if it's flashbacks, however they want to do it, please give me more Agent Carter. Yeah. <laughs> I think you need to catch up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and maybe you'll be sharing my excitement. <laughs> well, I watched Agent Carter and I was like, you know, that was fun. So yeah, yeah no, I thought no, it, but it was, it was a good show. always good whenever she's Peggy Carter, whenever she's returning to that role. So, yeah, I hope the rumour is true. Um, Marvel's Runaways, not a rumour. Um, season 3 will feature a crossover episode with uh, Marvel's Cloak and Dagger. On a scale of 1 to 10, how interested are you? Um, he, well, he, this is what happened. I watched the first season of Marvel's Runaways. Actually, kind of, like, I enjoyed it. A young, fresh take, you know, something a bit different. There's a really bad CGI dinosaur, whatever. Cloak and Dagger, I got through it. Enjoyed it, kind of. It's okay. And I, I'm i struggling to get through both of the second seasons of both of those shows. So a crossover, uh, maybe that'll get me over the finish line. Uh, okay. First off, the dinosaur, <laughs> the bad CGI. For the most part, that dinosaur is a practical effect. And the people that built the dinosaur worked on the original Jurassic Park film. And then they fill in the gaps for the motion, but they are sharing screen time with a practical dinosaur. Well, that's and that's why <laughs> a lot of it, you'll get someone beside it, and the dinosaur is moving its head like left to right, and that's so it's quite. Those close-up shots are, are fine. It's all practical effect. It's when they have a wide shot and the dinosaur is just like running or something, and it's like oh. yeah. So I mean, that's that's clearly CGI, but they it's TV budget. Yeah, but for the most part, I, I like the dinosaur. But I've seen <laughs> for the most part, I like the dinosaur. <laughs> You know what? I think that's going to be the episode title. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Where were we? Oh, okay. Uh, What are we talking about? Oh, yeah. Marvels. (laughs) Runaways. Dinosaurs. I've watched seasons one and two. I'm curious about season three. I watched the first season of Cloak and Dagger and found it a struggle. A bit of a bore. And then when it came back for the second season, I was watching the first episode and then just realised... I am out. <laughs> the season two premiere just completely lost me. Well, well, I mean, that's what happened with me in uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the, the start of that sixth season. So what I'll do, I'll finish Cloak and Dagger, and I'll let you know. <laughs> okay. And <laughs> I might be like, you have to come back. And we'll, yeah. Who you know? So will you watch the third season of Runaways then? Maybe. 
Mm. But if I do, it's got nothing to do with Cloak and Dagger. All right. That's not a draw for me at all. But it's interesting that outside of the big screen, this is going to be the first... I'd say it's going to be the first crossover on TV. Yeah. We did get the Netflix stuff, but I feel like this is two separate... Marvel shows yeah, it's like coming you, together. It's like you had the MCU on like, in the cinema, those movies, of course. Agent Carter was sort of its own thing. Maybe the closest to that was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I guess maybe we are getting that crossover in the final season. Yeah, and then these two shows. And the Netflix shows. Ah, yeah, it's crazy. Like, they're all in their own little bubbles. But I think it, it, it fits. Got a little bit of Marvel's Sony news. Chris Miller and Phil Lord are developing multiple live-action shows. Yeah, I'm assuming Spider-Man related. Yeah, the fact that the, if if this news was they're doing a series of uh, animated shows, I'd be like, well, okay, cool. Set within the world of like Into the, the Spider-Verse. Like Spider-Verse, yeah, TV adventures. Like, okay, cool. Different universes, different characters, a Spider-Ham show. Well, yeah, I'm all for it. But live action, I'm really curious what they do because as creatives I'm really interested in Miller and Lord I'm yeah I imagine they will be like probably villain centric where they will exist in their own little bubbles much like a Venom type thing but yeah just without any Spider-Man connection because to be honest if you want to do a Spider-Man TV show that shit gonna be expensive yeah to make it look I don't want it Aunt May TV series, <laughs> like, like the if, love affairs. Of, even if they brought back, if I, you know, wouldn't yeah. Even if they used <laughs> Melissa Tomei, I still was, couldn't sit through a series. Aunt May and Doc Ock, like romantic adventures, or Aunt May and Happy. Ooh, oh, <laughs> sitcom. But then we're thinking, then we're thinking MCU connected, right? But yeah, but I guess you know Sony Marvel. Whether they, whether they're going to be looking at more of a Venom approach, where it's. Spider-Man characters were not necessarily connected to the MCU. I was, I was under, I was assuming this would be Sony's own thing. I don't think they'd be integrating, like maybe a Prowler TV show or some of these, like the Black Cat movie they've been talking about. Yeah, repurposes TV, like all all of those things that they wanted to make a cinematic universe. I mean, they were talking about making a movie about Jackpot, who is an obscure Spider-Man villain that. You being a hardcore Spider-Man fan, even I'm like not what? heard of her. Yeah, she, her? She's got yes, her. she's got red hair and wears a domino mask. Oh, I was picturing like a guy in a pumpkin head. Nope, that's Pop somebody else. Feet. Jack-o'-lantern, maybe. <laughs> yep, that's yeah, him. that's the one. Yeah, not her. Look him, you go. not him. <laughs> um, the international uh, Sylvester Stallone and Dolph Lundgren are teaming back up again for a new TV action drama called. The International. Uh, the series will see London starring as a covert operative at the Department of Safety and Security at the UN. He is described as the UN's secret special agent, a one-man SWAT team, and hostage negotiator. Sold. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is all. This all sounds you. like a direct-to-DVD movie that you would watch, but as a TV series, <laughs> you would pay your no, two dollars. You know what? Like as a movie. Them. I wouldn't watch this, if I'm honest. Because he does a lot of these movies, but the TV angle does have me interested. Okay, you think maybe you can get a bit yeah. more character development out of them and a bit more extended story I arc? years ago, I watched, I rented it, and a movie of his, Detention. And it was this, is a, this is a Dolph Lundgren director-DVD yep. movie. It was described as Breakfast Club meets Die Hard. And I'm like, 
that sounds awesome. <laughs> the movie is terrible. <laughs> was actually awful. <laughs> yeah. So I don't always get excited about London on in movies, but unless he's doing like Creed two or Aquaman, I guess. So not uh, what was it that we did? Uh, Kindergarten Cop two. That was alright. <laughs> Yeah, missing, it? missing a dose of Arnie, but other than that, it was it was all right. But Dolph on TV, I'll um, check it out. Amazon has bought a new comedy series from Nick Frost and Simon Pegg. Truth Seekers follows part-time ghost hunters. So it's said to have a Shaun of the Dead vibe, and it's them on TV. I feel like this existed already or something. Just like when I read... You know, you sent through the notes and I've read this and I was like, Ghost Seekers. And I was like, Nick Frost and something. And I was like, oh yeah, they they did a thing and now Amazon's... Not I, really. I, I mean, feel they, like... They did the Spaced TV series and then you've got the movie, Shaun the Dead, Hot Fuzz. Yeah. Uh, what's the other one? At World's End. They did a movie together, Slaughterhouse Rules, but that was more their production company. It wasn't a lot of them sharing screen time. So I feel like outside of the Cornetto trilogy... This is going to be the first time they've properly worked together again. Maybe, like, the premise just... It's so them, it just works. I can already picture everything. Like, the posters. I feel like... I'm, I mean, I'm just I mean, the premise is, it's but... pretty bare bones. I guess it sounds like a lot of things. But it's them two together that has me interested. Yeah. I think, yeah, it just sounds like... It sounds right. And that's probably why I'm making all this stuff up. A new series based on I Know What You Did Last Summer is heading to Amazon again. Uh, we've got James Wan producing, not directing, but what do you think? I know what you did last summer. Those first two movies, I really like. You know, I still like. Was there a, that was a third, was maybe a third fourth? One. Yeah. Maybe fourth There maybe? was a third one. Okay, so you had I know what you did last summer. I still know. The second one was still no, and then the third one, I'll always know. <laughs> I don't think they got to the fourth, but those first two movies, <laughs> and, and it was a different cast for the third one as well. Yeah. So that was like a, the second one. just a direct-to-DVD cool, home yeah. release. But the first two, I think, still hold up. I mean, that first one came out on the heels of Scream. Urban Legend, I think, was around about that time. Mm. And I like all those movies. But, I mean, like, MTV did... You mentioned Scream. Like, they did a Scream TV series. Which was terrible. Yeah. I did the first season. The latest season, I think it's the third or fourth, but it was the final season. For the first time, they used the ghost face mask from the movies. And it was only, like, I think, six episodes. I watched four out of the six, and it is just awful it is absolutely terrible so i didn't finish it but i know we did last summer we're getting more this time on tv and james Wan, it's in capable hands yeah okay now on to the recommend section i'm recommending this week uh, something a bit different um but of course on netflix as it normally is uh, something a bit more serious um uh, it's a mini series created co-written and directed by ava duvernay which we mentioned for some story Today, New know. Gods. Yeah, that's the one. Um, it's called When They See Us. Um, it's based on true events. 1989, um, it's referred to as the Central Park Jogger case. It's a group of kids, uh, black kids. They get caught up in this situation. Authorities sort of rope them into it. They falsely confess to this rape and very serious assault of this woman. Um... I won't tell you too much of what happens, but basically they get screwed over pretty bad. Um, it's only four episodes, I think it was. The first half is phenomenal. It could stand as a movie, and it just had me feeling so uncomfortable and tense the whole time. The second half is more like just exploring sort of the unfolding of how things are sort of years later. 
but still an enjoyable thing overall. So, oh yeah, give that one a shot. You got big names in there: Vera Farmiga, Felicity Huffman, um, a few others. The the actors playing the boys, both young and old, are phenomenal. So yeah, give it a shot when cool. they see us. And I'm going to recommend a superhero soundtrack. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's an interesting one because we got the soundtrack for Dark Phoenix. And when we did our review, we did say that although it was a good score, it didn't necessarily fit what we thought a X-Men score would mm. sound like. Yeah, it sounded like Hans Zimmer. But it's still <laughs> a really good score. Well, he's put out a second Dark Phoenix album experiments from dark phoenix and it's him and he's in his orchestra like sampling like doing different riffs and alternative takes Altogether, there is 12 new tracks providing around 79 minutes of new music and That's this a is about score, that, yeah. well they essentially scored about five hours like a two-hour movie and i'm a huge hans zimmer fan i've i've talked about that before on the podcast and it is just absolutely fantastic, and you do hear, for, I heard at least, more of the more X Men in this version oh. compared to the theatrical version. Now, the X Men score that I like, or the one that you like? Well, like, yeah, okay, don't like we, X Two or about X One? Yeah, okay. I mean, I do agree with you that X Two does have more of an X Men sound to it, and that was John Ottman. But I do stand by the Michael Kamen soundtrack, that first movie that I really like. But it's just. I don't know, it just sounds more X-Men. I guess because he's experimenting with this one, like you're getting these like, different variations and changes and it seems to really fit the characters. But it's absolutely fantastic. It's available on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your music and it's really worth a listen. That's cool that that exists. I kind of wish that there's like an alternative movie. Dark- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like with better scenes, better, better uh, music. <laughs> Okay, so as always, we're going to close out on a little bit of trivia, and I will start by saying this may or may not be true, but I'm going to go with it anyway because I did struggle for trivia. Okay, we're going to uh, stick with Dolph Lundgren. He was a candidate for the role of the Phantom, Kit Walker, when Lee Falk's comic strip hero, The Phantom, was optioned for a film adaption during the 1980s and early 90s. Again... Maybe true, maybe not. <laughs> but I thought I'd just plug it in. We talked about Dolph earlier and just take this opportunity to plug an upcoming episode of yeah. Sounds Like Comics all about Billy Zane's The Phantom. Speculation trivia. But take with that a with a, plug. a pinch of salt. But we got Dolph playing the, the Punisher in name only. That did happen. In like the mid-80s. And potentially then, later in the year, he would have been The Phantom in a movie that never happened. Trivia. (laughs) Well, that's it for our movie show. Please go subscribe and download this podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud and leave us a review. It helps listeners just like you find the podcast. We're on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as that Films You Podcast. We also have our sister shows Rewind and Review and Sounds Like Comics, which each have their own Facebook pages. And all our episodes can be found on our website, thatfilmsyoupodcast.com. If you haven't already, be sure to check out our recent reviews of Batman Hush and Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. And Sounds Like Comics did a recent episode looking at The Rocketeer from 1991. You've been listening to Luke and Jason, the guys from that film studio. See you soon.
Is it Lundgren or Lundgren? I never get that. Lundgren, surely. Lundgren. Lundgren, yeah. What did you say? What did I say? 